You are listening to the Teachers Anonymous podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Teachers Anonymous podcast. It's your boy, Mr. Red, here with... I'm Teacher A in the building. Let's go. And we have for our guest today... Oh, Miss Red. <laughs> My wife, Mrs. Red. So, listen, y'all. It's been um, it's been a rough couple of weeks. We're going through a lot of shit right now, aren't mm-hmm. we, uh, TA? Mm-hmm. Definitely been heavy. Definitely been crazy. It's definitely been taxing since hell. Since we've been on quarantine, it's just been hitting left and right 2020 has been something serious i don't know if this is the pause we needed you know the reflection we needed um because after storm there's all after a storm is always a beautiful rainbow so i feel like 2021 is gonna be up um but it's just been something straight out right. the gate and i felt that way about 2019 mm-hmm. but then 2020 happened and i was like oh okay I guess we're still riding downhill on this roller coaster. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I saw a meme the other day. It was like a lady looking out the window and goes, I wonder what chapter of Revelation we're living today. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's just just been crazy. It's really been crazy. So it's a tough topic. I I don't know where to start. Honestly, we can just, I guess, start with what's going on, you know? So, gosh, how how long ago was it? Two weeks ago, a man by the name of George Floyd was confronted by a police officer over a fraudulent uh, check. $20. A fraudulent $20 bill. It led to an altercation, which ended up with George Floyd on the ground, handcuffed, and the officer kneeling on his neck. And a video surfaced of him um, screaming, I can't breathe, and uh, calling out for his mama. Eventually, he lapsed into unconsciousness um, and was dead before the ambulance arrived. They pronounced him dead at the hospital since then we've had a lot of outrage in the country rightful outrage about everything that's going on and it's um it's been uplifting but it's also been Mm eye-opening definitely definitely i think that george floyd was this just the tip of the iceberg because yeah. we've been, the movement has been protesting for the longest. We've been protesting and out here since Trayvon Martin, since, you know, things like that. The whole Trayvon Martin case where a man blatantly killed a young boy with Skittles and a Arizona in his hand. Yeah. Killed. Like, and, and, it's, and it's crazy because now we're in 2020 and it's the same cycle. Rodney King happened years ago. And it's the same thing. It's the same kind of concept. And it's like, at this point, um, we have to, we had to elevate our voices. And I think 
George Floyd really opened more eyes because of it really was the truth. It really was. It wasn't like, oh, he's a thug doing this, this, and this. And you know, those perceptions like that like to be thrown in uh, into this um into these situations. It wasn't like that. He was handcuffed. Yeah. He was you know, all- he, he wasn't resisting. Yeah. And it's, it's just scary. it's terrible. Yes. And the reality of the situation, the going back to like Trayvon Martin and all the protesting that has been happening. Uh, what's sad, I guess, is that a lot of people in other communities don't recognize that this protesting has been going on for so long. Mm-hmm. They've been living in a like a secluded, non-reality life that has not been happening, and they just think it's coming out now. And the thing is, is that we keep moving from one death to the next because there's so many that happened. I was I posted a post that just listed all the hashtags of the names mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, this protest is done. Who's next? You know, right. I hate that we're living in that world right now, but it's a reality and now we need to change it. It's by no means the same, but it's almost eerily similar to how as educators we feel um, with school shootings. Mm-hmm. You know, like it is. I mean, that is sad, but and none of that should occur. But it's kind of like that in the media. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, thing happened. Oh well, on to the next one, and right. it's heartbreaking. Definitely, and I think this is the time for educators to step up. Like yeah. come from behind that curriculum, come from behind that these standards need to be reached and really teach your kids what is going on. Because like, I tell you, I kid you not, kids don't even know Frederick Douglass's narrative. Like they don't know that mm-hmm. education is liberation, that they don't understand that, you know, mm-hmm. we had the incidents in the life of a slave woman, one of the only black nar- slave narratives from a woman's perspective that yeah. brought us the things that we have today. They don't understand why George Floyd was the tip of the iceberg. They don't understand that there was more than just George Floyd on in the yeah. media. Like it's been going on. It has not stopped. It's just that the movement has finally said it will stop. And yeah. it's, yeah. and it's, you know, Black Lives Matter, the movement, that's how I call it, the movement. We participate in every, um, mostly every protest. When we were protesting about, you know, the detainees used to had a lot of Black Lives Matter people and leaders speaking out. And then mm-hmm. it's like when it's time for Black Lives Matter for us to have a cause or if it's like small scale or some people don't all the way believe in what we're doing, it's nobody's there but us. And now with George Floyd, everybody is out there. Everybody yeah. finally sees, oh, wow. And I don't know why I took this man's death to do that, but it's what it is. The- and Yeah. Sorry. No, you're good. I mean, we couldn't know where you're coming no, from because we're both all. white. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And I mean, you know a lot more about it than we do. Absolutely. And we just, even though we could never understand exactly what's going on, we want to try. We want to, yeah. Right. I think the, the sad, like harsh reality of the situation, like, I think why so many people are aware or wanting to be aware or so active now is because there was a video and it wasn't just 
you know, something on the news. Mm -hmm. Real. It wasn't doctored. You could tell it wasn't. And people could see it happening. And then in, in the video, he wasn't like struggling. It was, right. It was, it was the air besides him screaming among the cops was almost like we're just doing our job. Right. Mm -hmm. so it was calm business as usual. Right. Where he's sitting there screaming, calling for his mom that's been dead for three years. I, oh, I can't even. <laughs> that breaks my heart. Um, <laughs> I think with everyone getting onto it now, it's um, – I know from my perspective in the way, way past back when Trayvon Martin was, I was like, I don't know enough about it to say anything. So, mm -hmm. but now I realize that my silence is just perpetuating, you know, because unfortunately the white people that are putting up all these arguments against protests, people that they listen to is other white people mm -hmm. they're not going to listen to the, you know black people of color out there you know mm -hmm. so as a white person i need to learn because so i can present arguments to them that they're at least could open up to right which is so sad like why does it have to be I guess it's the white privilege. It is. <laughs> it really Why is. does it have to be me to learn for you? To learn? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that the pandemic is like, now that I'm sitting here reflecting on this, I think the pandemic really made everybody pause and everybody had, you, you are forced to, to learn at this point. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't go, without being on social media, seeing something about George Floyd or the movement or anything like that. It's, it's, it's no avoiding it. It's no going to work and putting my head in my, in my work and trying to avoid it or ignore it. It's, it's there. And I think that's the difference now that I'm sitting here thinking about it because we were all in the house. We're all sitting in the house. We're all home. We're trying to social distance. And yeah. now you can't, you can't avoid it. Even though the world is trying to open back up, there's no avoiding it. Coronavirus is not enough to make this go lower on the CNN website. It's not going to go under the the small print of headlines that they have. It's going to be the biggest headline because at this point, we see the movement has been here, but now the movement is televised. And I think it's really mainly because our allies are finally coming out and fighting the fight. We've had allies, but now they're really coming out, like I went to the protest today and the amount of white, Latinx, Asian people I saw out there holding signs and, and handing out water. It was more like white moms coming out, handing out water than I've ever seen in my life. Like just out there, hey, do you need some water? Making sure that, you know, we're okay. And I've had like my white friends, my, they're, they're texting me, hey, do you need anything? I'm here, I had to leave the protest, but I'm here for you, you know? like really checking in. And I think that it just tells you that there's a change right now. We 2020 has been something, but it's a change happening in 2020. And like I said, when you have a storm, there's always that rainbow that comes out afterwards. And I think this is that storm that we're in the midst of, but there's a mm -hmm. rainbow coming. There's, there's something that's going to happen that's positive from this, whether it's, you know, 
um, well, it is actually positive. If you think about it, um, in Minneapolis, you know how they're defunding um, the police and they are, uh, the school systems have decided to cut their contracts with them. Um, New York is taking some of the funds for the police department and they're putting it into minority communities, um, hopefully stopping gentrification and trying to build these communities back up so that black people finally own the spaces that we owned before. Um, and I think in seeing nationally that a lot of other states are looking at defunding police, police and um, and even the the no-knock warrant um, law that came in after what happened to Breonna Taylor. I mean, there's positives coming, those, those rainbows after the storm. And so I think that um, taking it back to education, I'm just hoping that in the midst of coronavirus, we are starting to open up and see that education is just we need to, we're actually training the next leaders. We're actually putting that mindset. I am having to, as a black teacher, train my black students and their mental mindsets to see, you know, the inequities in the system. I start my whole teaching unit on, let's talk about identity. Let's break down your parts of your identity. Let me tell you about your privileges. Let me tell you about what white, white privilege is. Let me tell you about educational privilege and all these things because we have to train their minds so that they can see these things so that they can be out here marching and understanding what's mm -hmm. the reason behind it. And you're not just out here looting and taking sneakers for fun, but you're looting and doing what you need to do or whatever, you know, looting is a different topic. We can talk about it later, but you can see some of the reasons why the, the, the positives, the pros to why some people loot versus the con, all the cons that you may see on social media. There's a pro yeah. and a con to everything. So mm -hmm. I think it's just, we're in a, we're in a transitional phase. I think yeah. that's what this will be called. That's what we can call it. Yeah. And our next listeners are probably out there like, why is this teacher podcast? <coughs> oh, excuse me. <coughs> why is this teacher podcast talking about what's going on out there? And I'm and I would respond and I would say we're about education. And education mm -hmm. not just of the children, even though we all care about educating children in the future. But right now this podcast here, we're educating the math. Mm -hmm. This is what needs to happen. If teachers aren't willing to talk about it and be real, be open, have conversations not just with their children in their classrooms, but with their colleagues, mm -hmm. um, people from their district who come in, then we're not doing anything as educators. Definitely. I think it it, it really scares me when during the midst of everything that's going on, that white some white teachers that I see are silent. And it's like, it's the white teachers that, oh boy, I'm saying this. Oh, teacher, hey, don't be reckless tonight. What's your word? <laughs> but like, it's the, you, all right, we're going down this rabbit hole. All right, so you know how at certain schools, there are, especially like Title I schools where there's a heavy black population, there are the white teachers mm -hmm. who want all the black kids to love them, right? They're like the, yeah. it, the cool white teacher, okay? And it's some of them that I see that are sitting here silent, not saying anything, but at any time, it could have been one of their students. I think about, it is my fear that I'm gonna see one of my children on the news dead because of police brutality. It is my fear that my sister or my mom or my dad or anybody who looks like me and they, I see them in the news. Like I don't want, I don't want to be a hashtag. I want to be able to live the fullness of my life. Right. And it really scares me that 
these teachers who are always, you know, trying to be the cool white teacher that all the, especially black boys run to, especially if they're a white female, the black boys be rushing to, oh, I want to go to this teacher's classroom. I want to do this. I want to do that. And you are completely silent. Like you're not even remotely vocal, whether that's in a staff meeting, you doing it, you know, between whether it's in a staff meeting or you checking in with a with a black colleague or something like that, or you just simply repost something on social media, I don't know, but it's it's scaring me. It scares me because like now I'm like, okay, so what who what are your real thoughts? Who are you really? And I know like being vocal on social media isn't the end all be all, but like still like I don't see you trying to emit some kind of change are you are you trying to teach social justice in your classroom behind closed doors or what but i just feel like if you're silent at this point when the world is loud then there is a problem right it's it's just it's really it really it really makes me feel some type of way because i just don't i don't want kids walking into the classroom with fakeness i don't like that like mm-hmm. i would never all my teachers i had in high school because I've only had like one or two black teachers. One was the band teacher and one was an English teacher in my entirety of high school. And, yeah. oh no, the Spanish teacher. Um, and all my white teachers have them that I have added on Facebook from years prior. They are vocal. They are mm-hmm. submitting, they're sh- sharing resources for white, resources for white people to understand what's going on or resources for white teachers and they're sharing it and they're liking these things and they're doing all that they're vocal but then it's like other teachers that i know it's like you're so silent it's 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 terrifying you can't simply put you know hashtag this on your on your on your facebook to let your kids that probably added you after they graduate know that you support the movement you support their life like we're saying black lives matters because they have not mattered we built this country and, and we have to scream at the top of our lungs for somebody to give a shit about us. You know, and it's, it's, it's really, it's scary. You're teaching all these black boys and black girls and yet you're not, you're not, you could simply say something like I stand with you or something like that to show them that you support them, show the other teachers that you work with, that you support them. Cause at any time it could be one of us. Mm-hmm. It could be one of your kids. It could be the little kid that you always say, oh, he can't read. Well, guess what? Look at him. He's in the news. I always joke about my kids, but at the same time, they know I love them. Whether they are white or black or whatever, they know I love them and they know I will stand 10 tones down. When it was uh, Latin American History Month, I was there. My kids felt supported. I showed up. I showed out for them. My black students know I will show up and I will show out for them. Mm-hmm. there's something goes down with my white students I will show up and I will show out for them my queer students I will show up and sh- I will show out for them but why is it that people are being silent because of fear probably from one of their their backwoods family members who don't support the movement or a closet racist <laughs> and they don't want to say anything because they'll cause an argument but I'm just like you better argue girl because that's what you do you teach black kids you can't teach black kids and be silent right huh. Uh, no, I'm with you. I'm we with you. agree. Yeah. I, I mean, I taught the let's see, three years that I taught elementary school um, in like the public school setting. I taught at a backwoods elementary school <laughs> with very little diversity, and um, 
did what I thought was okay to mm -hmm. students of color, um, but it was not enough. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, I'm, I know that now looking back that I could have done a lot more um, to at least educate them on what's going on in the world past their little tiny town that they were in. Um, but I'd like to think, based on the kids that I have still connected with, mm -hmm. and they're in God, almost in high school now, <laughs> um, I'd like to think that they know that they were supported and cared for and things like that. But I also taught in a low-income Title I school where mm -hmm. no kids in my white <laughs> and <laughs> I was the only white person in there mm -hmm. that put a charge on me to learn more mm -hmm. and willing to listen better not just to my students but to my colleagues parents to other family members um, because I mean culturally everyone is different Mm -hmm. family has a family dynamic that makes up their family culture whether it's because of where they're from how their family was created anything and I had to learn very quickly <laughs> that my culture was very different and that's right. okay and I had to take it upon myself to try and correct and not fall into these biases that I don't necessarily want to admit that I had. But, you know, everybody, regardless, like everyone has them. Mm. Like that's what a lot of, especially white teachers need to be able to admit, hey, you have these implicit biases that you're not always going to want to admit that you have, mm -hmm. but you have them. Recognize them and learn from it. Because my first year there, holy cow. I came in, let's see, started in November, was with a class that was very, very challenging because they had a lot of people leave and um, things like that, so they felt abandoned. And um, I had one student say to me, you're racist. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, no way. Like, why would you say that? I was like, I never, ever would think of myself that way. And the principal was also a woman of color. was like, he's not racist. If she was racist, she wouldn't be here. But what that kid was saying was, a, her unintentional bias is coming out. And this is what I see it as. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad the little girl called me out when she did because it was true. I mean, the reality of the situation is Black students, especially at the elementary school level, are sent to the principal's office, are written up, are sent home, are suspended are confronted by the school resource officer 
exponentially more than white students. Mm -hmm. And that little girl just happened to always be the one that got in trouble. And it wasn't in me intentionally saying, oh, you're going to get in trouble because you're a little girl is black. Mm -hmm. It was, oh, you're getting in trouble because you're disrupting the class. Right. <laughs> that way. And it was never my intention. Mm -hmm. It made me check myself and be like, okay, am I really just targeting her? Mm -hmm. The teachers, that's what, I mean, we have, we can't lie. <laughs> There's always a kid in our class who drives us up a wall and makes us one scream. Right. <laughs> it <too. laughs> she was really grinding my nerves, but I had to make sure that it wasn't because of things that I just didn't understand about her because of cultural differences or the way she was raised or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It had to come down to, oh, well, I'm a grown adult white and she's a young black girl mm -hmm. you know it's just and I completely agree with what you're saying with these white teachers who want all the little black kids and all the little brown kids to love them right they want that oh I get a title one school I'm awesome like pat me on the back I'm like a savior and they're like those quote-unquote woke people and I'm like, oh, no, you have so much to learn. Right. It's like the um, <laughs> the people who go on mission trips sometimes and they'll have, like, <laughs> the pictures with all the black kids. And, and you're just like, well, dang, okay, yeah, go ahead. And then you really know who they are, and they're just like, nah, you just did that to show right. <laughs> And that's exactly right. I mean – we, I saw something on, I think it was Instagram the other day, and it was like, if you can go on a mission trip and love and hug and, you know, play with little brown boys and little brown girls and little black boys and girls, mm -hmm. then you need to be able to stand up for those little brown boys and girls and black girls and boys here. Mm -hmm. Like, that's it. you have just as much of a conviction to do that here as you mm -hmm. do anywhere else. That's it. That's that's the word. And I think one, I appreciate both of you for listening and opening your mind. Like I, I keep saying education is liberation, but it's truly liberation. And it's not just about equality. It's not just about like it's it's a it's a freedom from not feeding into the things that we were taught and that we were told that this is right and this is wrong. And I think that, you know, as teachers, we have that power to really liberate our students' minds because I, even as a black teacher, have to catch myself because I am hard as hell on little black girls. I am rough with them because I am one. You know, I see myself in them. I, I think about how my mom and my grandma were always on my ass. You need to succeed in school. You need to do this. You need to do that, you know? And like, I would do that to my kids and I had to take a step back and be like, you can't be this harsh on them just because of who they are and you have to take a step back and think about my personal privilege like some of us black folk we do have privileges that we need to think about there's more than just the black and white or you know like the race or ethnicity thing you have class and the, all the other things that make, can make you privileged and you we, we as teachers we definitely have to check ourselves like i think about the many amount of times that a principal is called to my classroom, and it's very rare that I will call a t uh, 
admin to my room. And I do that because I don't believe in immediately punishing you. I'll call, I'll call them very rarely, but at the end of the day, I'm going to talk to you like you're an adult and I'm going to show you, I'm going to tell you that there's other ways than me just going running straight to admin. And that's why kids respect me a little bit more because I don't just run straight to admin every time they sneeze different in my classroom, you know, or if they say a bad word, I'm not going to be like, admin, get out. Like, I'm not doing all that. Like you, I have to give you spaces and give you ability to make a mistake, but not get the harshest consequence because that's what this world is. A black man can, you know, drive with a suspended license, right? Or something, well, suspended mm. license is kind of really extreme. I don't know. Um, he can, <laughs> I don't know. He can, he can go get, he could steal a bag of chips, right? Some 50 cent mm-hmm. chips because he's homeless and he doesn't have food. And he, he will get, you know, this many days in prison, whereas somebody else can do it. Or, you know, whereas as the leniency we give, like school shooters, like some of their sentences should be way okay. harsher for you know shooting up a damn school versus a man going to get a bag of chips getting 30 damn years and sitting in prison for the rest of his life mm-hmm. i don't believe right. i don't believe in these things that we're doing and then we do it in the classroom and that's why a lot of black students sometimes don't feel comfortable with their white teachers because sometimes you get the young ass white teachers coming into these title one schools like i'm about to save the damn day and then they get in there to get into the reality and the harshness and it's not just the black kids acting the hell up it's all the kids yeah. <laughs> you're, just oh, yeah. Yeah. you're scared as hell like i don't know what i'm you doing you just, look on your face like holy shit what i get to <laughs> right and you're calling the assistant principal on little um little Dominique in the back all the damn time. And you're just now you're the ops. Like I'm not going to feel comfortable with you. Cause you just going to snitch on me every time. And you're just perpetuating the same thing over and over. I do one thing and it's, the, it's I'm getting the most extreme consequence. Slaves did one thing that the, the slave master didn't like, and they got their ass whooped in front of everybody. They were killed. They were castrated. And I think that's the thing that we need to pay attention as educators. And if you're listening to this and you want to be an educator, that's something you need to look into. Check yourself, check your bias at that damn door because you have to understand who you are. What's good, y'all? It's your girl, Teacher Ed. And I just want to say thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Now, it's a lot going on in the world. And now is the time to implement social justice lessons into your classroom. Make sure you do the research, do the work, because education is liberation and now is the time. But before I go and before I let you continue on the podcast, I just have to stop and say... Rest in peace to Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and George Floyd. Rest in peace to all those who lost their lives at the hands of police brutality. To the black community, we hear you, we see you, and we are with you. Thank you all for listening to the Teachers Anonymous podcast. Now let's get back into the show. I can't sit here and be hard as hell on these black girls and then give the black boys all this grace. No, black women have it harder than probably a lot of freaking um, demographics in this country because people forget about us. We forgot mm-hmm. Breonna Taylor was a, was, a, was a hashtag until black women had to step up. These movements, these Black Lives Matters movements, we got to remember that black women are some of the main forces behind it. We got to think Martin Luther King, there would be no Martin Luther King without Coretta Scott King. So we have to understand that we can't be as hard on black women, on black girls. And I had to check myself. And I think that we as educators, we have to check ourselves constantly. And it's exhausting work. We don't get paid enough for what we do. We don't. And it's exhausting. 
and it's tiring and it's mentally draining and emotionally draining. And people are now starting to see the work in teachers because, you know, they've been home with their kids all the time. They're like, damn, he's bad as hell. And I'm like, yes, he is. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, your child does not listen. And yes, he talks back all the time. Yes, like, yes, your child, you know, they struggle real bad in this, this and this. But at the same time, we just have one of the most important jobs, I think, in America right now. Because we we hold this unspoken power of training the next wave. Like I said, I'm training the next wave of leaders, politicians, community activists, and I have to check my privilege and check myself all the time. Right. That's what I always try to explain, or not directly, but indirectly to my kids, is, look, I don't understand where you're coming from as a race thing because they would always point that out <laughs> they're like hey you're white and i'm not and i'm like yeah i know um right. yeah we have our differences but we have some similarities and we've got to come together and learn from one another and everybody has to be willing to open their ears shut their mouths mm-hmm. and just listen yep that itself will probably help in a lot of ways um, for people to at least get something started firing in their brains to say, oh, wait a minute, I do want to learn more. Mm-hmm. Some people would just shut their mouths, mostly white people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm saying that as a white person, if we would just shut <coughs> sometimes and listen out of it instead instead of talking over people and shutting people down because we don't think that they're qualified or we don't agree with the way that they speak or what they're saying we have a responsibility and especially educators lord Mm -hmm. and i'm not one anymore but i still like i've been you can't take you can't take, even if you leave the classroom, there's still a part of you that's at forever mm-hmm. teacher. Mm-hmm. And when situations like this come up, you can't help but think, holy crap, wait a minute. <laughs> there are kids that I taught or um, I tutored or anything like that that could be going through this right now. Right. They're fine. So um, let's give the conversation like as we get into final points, um, because like right now, time is of the essence, you know, because we can sit here and talk all day about Mm -hmm. this. But time is of the essence. And I say that because what people don't understand is black black people have woken up. There are white people who have opened their eyes. There are Latinos that have opened their eyes and now they are liberated. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing scarier than in this country than an educated black person. Mm-hmm. That is the most terrifying thing for white people, for certain white people. Cause yeah. not all, <laughs> right. Um, right. Because if you think about history and I always take a historical perspective on things, think about history, the fact that black people had to fight to just learn how to read the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what Frederick Douglass talked about how they used to hide in the church on Sunday and read, learn how to read the Bible, the same, you know, Bible that was used to keep them enslaved and how that was scary 
<laughs> because once once they start once the slaves started waking up and realizing oh shit i don't need to be a slave it's scary because then they can start dismantling the system and now that people are liberated they're going to start dismantling the system and as i say time is of the essence so as educators i guess we can do we can go around real quick what are three things that you would want to either use in a classroom setting, even though we're all not in the classroom now, what's something that you want to implement in your classroom based on like the topics we kind of discussed or what are three things that you're taking away from the movement? And, or lastly, the last option is what are three things you wish you knew? And, or you can mix them up, whatever you want to do, but let's mm -hmm. just like kind of end on that note because time is of the essence at this point. I mean, um, I guess what I when before I left teaching, I started to implement um, recognizing minorities in science as a regular thing. Um, <laughs> not only just African American and specifically women and women of color. Mm. Um, the last person uh, I talked about was um, Marie Curie, who, yeah, she was, um, she was white, but she was a woman, um, Polish, which apparently there's a lot of racism against Polish people over in the, yeah, in the, in European countries, mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, she, uh, she came, overcame a lot of hardships. Then we also talked about like uh, George Washington Carver, mm -hmm. which is a popular one. I taught them that he didn't invent peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> which is something that is sadly taught in elementary school. And I promise you that was not something that happened in my right, room. <laughs> right. I was just, taught that. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm just sitting here thinking about it. Well, a lot of technological advances that we have right now, like uh, traffic lights, lawnmowers, things like mm -hmm. that, are all made by African-American engineers and scientists. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, you know, I wish that that was taught because these are just things that we have and no one thinks about, mm -hmm. you know? So things like that, I'd love to, I'd love to implement that in my classroom. Hopefully I get back into the classroom this coming August um let's see another second thing i don't i don't know i i'd love to address well like some of the arguments that people use against the movement and against um the protests and things like that like okay so i was having a conversation with someone the other day about this because they didn't like my posts mm -hmm. and um specifically they didn't like the posts of all the hashtags of the people that got killed just for doing normal things and he was like really your white privilege lets you have uh lets you not get killed for carrying around a cell phone he's just like that's ridiculous and i'm like yes that's exactly the point it's fucking ridiculous mm -hmm. that some because in that post there's a hashtag of an african-american 
that died from just walking around with a cell phone. Maybe they were reaching for it and they got shot. You know? Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Like, God forbid I have my cell phone in my fucking pocket. So, um, let's see. Another one. Uh, there's no racism anymore. You're stupid. So let's move on from that. Um, let's see. I'm not racist, but or racism will always be there. That one's annoying, so why fight it? That's my least favorite. There will always be racism, so why fight it? And I'm like, individual. There will always be individuals who are racist. Mm-hmm. Fighting against what everyone should be fighting against is you can't fix individuals, but you can fix a system. Mm-hmm. Systems are They're to make sure that all biases and things like that are not present. And if they are, then we adjust them. Mm-hmm. So right now, no, we are not fighting against people as individuals. I understand there are black cops that are out there in, you know, standing in line, you know, and they will fight with you and say, I'm not a bad cop and stuff like that. And like, I understand you went into the police force to cause a change. Mm-hmm. You, that starts with admitting that the system is broken. You know, and there are white cops out there that are like, well, I'm a white cop. I'm not racist. I would never do that. It's just a few cops. I'm like, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. Any cops that do this, you know? So, again, I'm not attacking your individuality. I'm I'm going after your system. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing that I hear people quote a lot is Martin Luther King. And I love him. He's awesome. He's great. Cut me off. Tell me I'm wrong. But what, what, was he um, was he killed before the Civil Rights Act was enacted? Six days after the Civil Rights Act was completed. He, he was killed. Six days, before. Uh, six days before it was completed? Yeah, there was a six-day-long riot after he was assassinated, and that's when the Civil Rights Act was All right, so let's honestly talk about that. Mm-hmm. Took Martin Luther King first, getting shot and killed mm-hmm. for the Civil Rights Act to get known. Second of all, and this again, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel as if they enacted the Civil Rights Act as a compromise. Tom, we're going to fix some of this stuff. And it was a great act. Don't get me wrong. It fixed a lot of things, it did not fix everything. Yeah, exactly. It, it's just like what we're doing now. Yeah. with um, certain states trying to mediate the situation and kind of uh, soften black voices again and tell us basically, all right, black people, go sit back, go back to what you were doing, get the economy back running um, by, uh, you know, changing things and giving us false narratives and false hopes. And I think that's what happened before, you know, this the, the movement that we have now um, because, you know, it kind of, the protests and stuff died down for a while. And it was like the movement was still there, but it's like we died back. And I think now, like, it's it's like those riots again. Except I don't I don't think this is going to stop. No, I don't think so. And you know, it's just it's going to keep going. You know, it, it, it for me, it's just I I think that and finally three. I think what I'm going to start doing. <laughs> 
is making sure that my friends, because I have, oh God, I'm going to sound like one of those people. I have a lot of friends that are black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As TA can profess, I just want to tell them that they matter to me. Mm-hmm. I make sure I reach out and say, hey, you matter to me. Whatever you need, I support you. You can attest. I texted you and told you to me, and I texted. That's something that has to continue for the media kind of. I don't want to say fizzles out because I don't think it will completely, but the harsh reality of the times that we live in with with social media is everything is like a trend, Mm -hmm. and things happen and then they are big for a while and then the next thing happens. So that thing that was originally so important mm-hmm. goes out. Like the big thing used to be coronavirus and now it's this. Coronavirus is still going on, people. Like, yeah, but that's the thing. Like we as individuals have to take it upon ourselves to not just tell our friends and even family members or colleagues or children like of color or people that are different from us, hey, you matter to me. Not just based on race, but based on disabilities and abilities and, you know. Um, the fact that they're people. Just, I mean, different people <laughs> who are part of the LGBTQ plus community. Like we have to take it upon ourselves everyone to say hey you are important to me Mm -hmm. all of this when dust settles Mm -hmm. and we're just at home by ourselves you know picking up our phone and saying you know i really feel moved to talk to somebody tonight and tell them they're important just because it's something that's popularized on the internet Mm -hmm. definitely you know that that made me think about a couple other uh, is that people throw at me when I have these debates. One of them is there is no inequality anymore. I'm like, okay, so you believe in equality, right? Tell me how our incarceration rate, the majority of it is African-American. How is that? How does that show an equal justice system when America is a majority white country? Mm-hmm. You know, there are more white people in America than there are people of color. Of course, that's changing. But current as it is, then the system should reflect that. They tell me, what, what about black-on-black crime? And I would be like, well, what about white-on-white crime? <laughs> Statistically, yeah. it shows that you are more likely to kill someone of your own race than anyone else. So that means nothing. White people kill more white people than any other color. And the reality of it is, is when, and correct me if I'm wrong, but... What I've been hearing, there are people and organizations and groups and community members when there is black on black crime, which I think is a really kind of, it shows the gentrification of our society. Mm-hmm. There's a, I mean, there are places and people in community groups that are already binding together 
to try and fix that. Oh yeah, definitely. That's that's why gangs were originally created. Yeah. Um, to to keep their community like OGs, not the new not the new stuff we got going on. Like my age, I'm mm-hmm. talking like OGs. Like, yeah, they were the gangs were orig- historically created to um, build up their community. So if you look at older like uh, Bloods and Crips, they used to you know make they used to make it sure like you know kids were able to go to school safely and it wasn't a lot of violence. They would tell the young kids like, hey, like you don't got to do this, like it was a lot of that before what we have. And I was at the, like I said, a protest today and they talked about how, you know, black people, we've been taking care of ourselves for a long time. We didn't have police, you know, we didn't, we didn't have police officers coming into our communities trying to keep peace. We did it ourselves. And that was through gangs. That was through the black Panthers. That was through a lot of the organizations, like a lot of communities when you have like high crime rates, they have neighborhood watches and they have like older people who've been in the community. Um, that's why it's so important a lot of time for like a black person to settle into a community and kind of like watch it build up. You know what I mean? Because then when you become that old head, that old person that's been there 15, 16 years and you gain that, you have that respect. You are a pivotal voice in the community that can, you know, provide change and help, you know, keep peace. Like there's a lot of respected elders in communities. That's the same thing we brought from Africa where you respect your elders. That's what you do. You respect your elders and your ancestors. You praise them. You pray for them, you know what I mean? And that's what the black community did for so long. And now it's like, the perception is, oh, it's so much black on black crime. There's nothing happening, da, 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 da. And that's not the case. They see gangs as being like these radicalized terrorist groups in mm-hmm. black communities. And if you, if you look at what gangs were originally created for, it was to build up communities and to personally stop communities from being gentrified. Um, to mm-hmm. keep black spaces black spaces because that's what we had to build our own space because we didn't have a space you know it's like going to we we preserve reservations and we preserve native american history because we are on their soil but then at the same time we won't preserve a black community we won't we won't think about you know how harlem or the bronx or brooklyn or wherever are being gentrified to the point that there's no there's not history there anymore we don't have like spaces like that anymore for black people we don't preserve black history it's the last yeah. thing that we think about. It took us it took us forever to get a freaking museum in DC, you know, and that museum that doesn't even contain half of the things that you know that is a part or that's a part of culture that black people have provided. There would be no Justin Bieber if it wasn't for black people. You know? <laughs> there would be no Justin Bieber. There would be no Thank God for Usher. <laughs> right. Like there would be none of these things and it's just these perception that it just takes me out. And I'm very big on the media. Like personally, as we talked about the news, I would love for black people to start like creating our own news network. That becomes a major station that is on every cable. Even if you have basic cable, it's there. And we have BET, but BET sold out to white people at one point. And now finally we got it back. But only thing that BET likes to show right now is Tyler Perry. And I'm sick of Tyler Perry. And I'm sick of watching his shows right now, but I want something more meaningful, like impactful, like bringing back black television shows that were for younger students and younger kids. Like, why don't we have those shows where I grew up, where it was a diverse group of kids on on TV? Like the most diversity we have is Steven Universe and Craig of the Creek. Like we don't have. um, I remember watching Nihal Kailan and all the other Maya and Miguel and all the other shows like that. We have BET, but we don't use it. We don't we don't televise. HBCU uh, football games and sports games. 
we don't televise, we don't sit here and have like spaces for just like a black new black journalist to come on and try to get a job. Like we should create, we have to create these spaces for ourselves because they're not there. And it's just, it's just a lot. Like we keep recepting that, oh, gangs are this or black on black crime, but shit, like we not talking about how, who is shooting up these damn schools? Is it black kids? No, it's little white pissed off boys. <laughs> It's pissed off little white boys shooting up these schools. Like, I am scared of that shit. I, I have told my kids, as soon as I hear a pop-pop in the school, I'm in my silver Kia. Y'all going to have to climb up. We're going to get in the trunk. We're going to have some hanging off. <laughs> like, I'm not playing with this shit. <laughs> like, that shit scares me. And yeah. my kids have said that. They said, like, Miss, Miss uh, Teacher A, I'm going to drop my name. Miss um, <laughs> <laughs> Teacher A, like, you know, we, we have a lot of black kids here, but then we have that one white kid that we scared of because he carrying a book bag around the school. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm scared too because <laughs> it's game over. I will be gone. Y'all will just see, all y'all will see is my little dreadlocks running down this hallway because I'm not with it. <laughs> but, but we're okay, scared on black on black crime. Hey, I don't know. <laughs> I, I ain't Timothy? <laughs> <I just. laughs> And see, I've taught at those schools where, you know, who knows what could have happened because it was in backwood country bumpkin towns mm -hmm. where kids had guns at young ages and mm -hmm. big deal. And there was a lot of division and some of it wasn't always overt. Mm -hmm. You could tell the minute a parent came in for a conference, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> bring up something that is any semblance of progressive, they're going to flip on me real quick. And, you know, that's something that any teacher has to watch mm -hmm. out for their kids yeah. and yeah. recognize that, oh, dang. That kid needs a little bit of help so he does not become a statistic right. whether or not it's whether it's a child of color who ends up as on the news as a hashtag or it's a little white boy who's pissed off and sad and then he shoots the school up i mean there's a charge on all teachers that needs to be paid close attention to to really pay close attention to your students and what they're doing and you know what's going on in their world it's Definitely, definitely. Um, Ms. Red, do you want to give your three, uh, Lord, I forgot the list, three things you would implement, three things that you've taken away from the movement and or and or three things that um, you still have questions on? You can mix them. It just has to be three things. Um, I think for me, being out of the classroom right now, the biggest thing that I want to do better um, is educating my own kids at home, mm -hmm. providing them with spaces where they can talk to people of color and other races and nationalities and things like that to gain more information so they're not going into this world thinking that everyone looks like them, talks like them, thinks like them, will be like them. Um, I mean, we have kids in varying ranges from preschool to middle school to high school. Mm -hmm. And um, I would like to think <laughs> that I do a good job of 
empowering them as girls, but I also want to do better as their parent, empowering them to recognize differences and not go around saying, well, I don't see anybody's difference or I don't see their color because that's ignorant. Sorry. (laughs) And a horrible thing for me to do as a parent um, to tell them not to recognize their differences. It reminds me of a poster that it had on, it was split in half, and on the side it says, if you can't see color, and it was a bunch of gray, and then on the other side, then you can't see the problem. Right. (laughs) And that's the thing, like, I, I'm so grateful for the way that I grew up, Mm -hmm. Um, and my parents definitely could have done a lot more, but, I mean, I didn't grow up in the best neighborhoods or with a bunch of money or anything like that. And that's what I tried to explain to my students. Like, hey, we're similar in some ways. Like, I know how it feels to be without money and not have brand new shoes and, you know, have that struggle on a socioeconomic level, but I know nothing of your struggle Mm -hmm. as you individually. Um, But no, one of the main things is teaching my children at home that Differences are okay. Um, you need to um, learn from people, recognize your differences, try and do better. Um, and I mean, I'm trying to have those conversations with my kids who can understand it. And, and <laughs> with our little one, trying to expose her to things like different TV shows and different books that we read at night and Mm -hmm. um, different toys that she plays with to not just be blonde hair, blue eyed Barbies. Right. We love us some Doc McStuffins in this household. (laughs) If there's anything I can tell you about children's television. (laughs) Doc McStuffins is the shit. Doc McStuffins is beautiful. Um, I mean, and I could go on and on about it, but it's seriously thinking about like TV shows that I could have watched as a kid, you know, growing up with, I mean, my best friends when I were, when I was little were different from me in that sense of race and things like that. But um, if we would have had shows like that, that that addressed different situations like family dynamics and race and differences, I think it would have been beautiful. And that's what's really cool about that show. And, um, there are some really great resources. I mean, even at the library, um, they're small little books and they're called. Uh, we have one on Maya Angelou. I think they're little people, little passions or little, I don't know. It's something like that, but it basically, yeah, it's basically just books about different people in the world. The ones we have are Frida Kahlo and by Angelou, and we have some inventors and some scientists and, you know, important people in the world and things like that, but trying to expose her to people who are different and recognizing that at her age, she does notice. Mm-hmm. Um, she may not be able to verbalize that, because if you ask her, hey, what's different about this person? She's like, they're a boy. I don't know. <laughs> like she, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of this like blissful, like, oh, I don't know, because 
just happy all the time, but mm-hmm. exposing her to that now so she knows, hey, it's okay that I'm different and they can still be my friend and I can still support them and love them and um, use my voice in a way that amplifies and encourages someone. That's so because, I mean, even you were that you were able to connect with them on some level. When I was teaching, and I was teaching at a Title I school, the only difference was it was more Latinx than African-American Title I. And um, I couldn't connect with them. I couldn't say, hey, I I was poor too. Like, I know what it's like to have no money to go days <laughs> without eating, you know? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I grew up in a conservative, upper-middle-class household. Oh, Jesus. Shit, man. I <laughs> for a country club, y'all. I was bougie as fuck. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm out here, and I'm like, how am I going to – how will I reach these kids? You know? And the thing is, is that they don't care. They just want you to be – real and but they want you to recognize and i had to go through check my biases not try to be like this cool white hip-hop white savior thing i was just um and i used to play tennis you know i played tennis for my country club once yeah yeah i'm bougie whatever (laughs) you know and but i i would i would call myself now of like i'm currently a rehabilitating uh, bias for racist. Yeah. I mean, bigot. I mean, yes. honestly, because I grew up in such an extremely conservative household. It's changed mm-hmm. in the past, and both my parents have gotten a lot better. Yeah. And just trying um, to wake up a little bit. <laughs> but me and my sister, we're out here, and we're like, shit. This world is nothing like we were taught. <laughs> Which is hilarious for me to watch on the outside. <laughs> And, you know, I have to go through, I had to go through the motions of learning that, oh, hey, some people are gay and that's okay. Oh, hey, like, if people want to be trans, then let them be trans. Like, is it hurting you? No. Like, hey, your black friend is more likely to get killed by a cop than me. (laughs) Again, like, if you're going to throw statistics at me from black on black crime here, let me throw some back at you. Like, why are more, why are black people more likely to get killed by cops than anyone else? Yeah. <laughs> you know, of course, fun fact, Asian Pacific, like, Islander people are less likely to be killed by cops. Yeah, Statistically. Like a, like I don't know what that is. That may be, like, a, one of those, like, no, no, I think maybe, like, you know how Asian people are always smart? Like, that's the biased racist Very thing. Fine. Yeah, so maybe there's a stereotype going yeah. like there's they, they could never do anything. They're harmless. I don't know. I don't. Know. I'm not Asian. I apologize if I'm sounding. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And it's not my place to say. I was just reading off statistics that are. So um, I don't. I don't know why. It's not up to me to interpret. I'll stop talking. My bad. <laughs> uh, I think that right there. I mean, the first thing that I have to make sure that I'm doing, like I said, is taking care of my children at home and Mm -hmm. them, um, that 
yes, it's great that you have black friends. Yes, it's great that you have Hispanic friends or Latinx friends. Yes, it's great your friends are Asian or whatever. And yes, it's great you accept everyone, but making sure that they're aware of the history, making sure they're aware of reality, what's happening right now. Um, that's the first thing. And I've, you know, started having conversations with my youngest every night at bedtime and things like that. Um, so that when she is old enough to really have a conversation, that we can have one. Um, because I guess this goes into my second thing is like being able to check and recognize my white privilege um, like in teaching my children that you know what yes we are female <laughs> and yes there's some really crappy things that we're handed as women regardless but you know we have to use our white privilege and build other people up and not use it for our benefit. Right. Um, use it for other people's benefit. Let's get one thing straight about white privilege. It's not saying that you did not work hard yes. for what you earned. It's just saying, given the same circumstances, that the only thing that was different between you and another person was your skin color, the person with the darker skin color would have to work even harder than and that's the thing. trying to recognize that I do have that and learning more about it and learning how I can use that in a way that's positive for other people. Um, you know, reading some more books, talking to more people, not just shying away um, from, you know, communicating that or communicating what I'm feeling. Um, that's one thing. And then I guess the third thing, let's see. I had it. <laughs> um, it's my fault. Oh, so I guess my thing is that if I ever were to go back in the classroom or go back into education as a whole, um, I kind of wrote it off for a long time because of some personal stuff and mm -hmm. some bad experiences. <laughs> Not with my students, they're amazing. And um, Never the students. they know that I'd go to bat for them in a minute, um, but I needed some time away. Mm -hmm. But what I really want to, would want to do differently is amplify their voices, their families' voices, um, having them come into the classroom and speak and share um, things, the opportunities for them to see books and videos and things with people who look like them, sound like them, or from where they are, um, and not just saying, oh, well, you know, I'm a cool white teacher, let me use this cool, fun clip from you know, some song, mm -hmm. reach them, letting them speak on what's important to them, what's their, what they're passionate about, um, things like that, providing them with books and things that are diverse in literature and not just 
you know, spending the month of February talking about it. Um, is that something that I'm guilty of? I mean, I thought when I was in the classroom, I was doing something great because every day, long, probably a little bit into March, because time management was not my <laughs> strong suit. But um, <laughs> providing them with, I provided them with some time to do some research on people that they were interested in. And, you know, I thought, oh, well, I'm doing something great because you know, I'm telling them, no, like pick somebody different. Like don't just pick what everyone would expect you to pick. Pick somebody new. And I mean, I learned a lot during that time, but being able to provide them that space and that opportunity throughout the school year um, and all the time, I think would have been a lot better. Mm -hmm. And then providing family members voice family members a time to share their voice. Um, the school I was at did a great job at um, kind of encouraging and amplifying the Latinx community with our multicultural night, but, um, you know, there could have been a lot more. Mm -hmm done and I think that's something that I would want to do. I've thought about um, starting a nonprofit type thing, providing some literature in the classroom for students, for teachers, for parents, for anybody. Um, but that's kind of, I don't know, what's been on my heart throughout all of this. Mm -hmm. or, be willing to listen and not be nervous to talk to people of color about it and fear of like saying something offensive. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big thing too. Is there are tons of people that I know and I'm like, ooh, I really wish I could ask them this. And I'm like, oh, am I going to say it wrong? Mm -hmm. In all reality, if I just ask, <laughs> like, I might not say it right the first time, but I'll learn. And that's right. the whole point. It's kind of how we are with our kids in the classroom. And we're like, hey, you need to ask questions. And then they're like, ooh, but what if I get it wrong? And we say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. You need to ask. That's the only way to learn. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. What about you? Um, for me, my three things. One, I am going to implement or try to be a leader of change in, within my school. Um, I think we lack spaces for black teachers, um, teacher of color to just have a space, to, a safe space to sit and talk. So I wanna implement like affinity spaces at my school. Um, I've kind of been like low key, the DEI facilitator that's been trying to say things that um, other people won't. So I will call you out on your shit. And I am trying to make sure that I do that um, because I need to stop trying to hide behind being the young new teacher. Like that shit is overwhelming. And I, I do more than just teach these kids and make a great yearbook. Like I'm more than just that. And I want to make sure that I'm implementing or leaving some sort of change. So I want to implement like affinity spaces where, you know, at a staff meeting, we sit with the people who look like us and we have these harsh conversations and I need my white teachers to check other white teachers. I need my black teachers to maybe check a black teacher who's not you know, in the right mind space, mind, mind state. 
Um, so that's one. That's something I'm already going to. I have my email drafted, ready to go for my principal. I just needed to get through, you know, grading papers and do what I need to do. Um, two, definitely um, being more like I'm vocal um, about things, but I want to be more. I want to, like I've been saying, I want to talk my shit and I'm going to talk it. And I want to advocate a lot for this system, the education system, because you know, it's crazy that I never would think I would, you know, I never thought I'll be a damn teacher. Like I never thought that this would be what I do and what I'm passionate about, but I am going to talk my shit for teachers because especially our teachers of color, because we, we, we have just such a power that we need to have exposed. And I think people are starting to see it. Um, and I think people are starting to understand it, but I don't think people really, really get it until you're in the classroom. Like I keep saying this and it kind of annoys me when people have all these assumptions and opinions on the education system, but yet you're not working in it. You're not doing anything for it. You're not out here um, protesting for our fucking kids. You know, you're not, you're not trying to, you're not trying to give me a couple books of the hate you give so that I can implement that in my classroom so that my kids are aware of really what's going on. Um, and I hate that. Cause it's like, you have opinions are like assholes. Everyone has them, but you're not in the classroom doing the work and I'm doing the work and I want to spread the work that I'm doing, um, to other people. And I think lastly, my big takeaway from this is a sense of confidence and a sense of alignment. Um, I came in, I come into like this podcast in this space, not feeling a sense of anger, but a sense of motivation to really push myself and really um, make change and make waves and make movements. And whether, whether it's through what I do in grad school or what I do at my school, or even if it's small scale of what we do in this podcast, I want to be a change maker um, instead of sitting back and being so overwhelmed with my own shit that I need to, I want to spread love and light to all spaces. And I want to spread knowledge because knowledge is just so power. And I don't, I don't know why I'm stuck on this education's liberation shit, but it is it. And you can yeah, see it, it you really know, is. it is it. And I, I want people to understand it. I want other black folks to understand and to get into webinars and get into going on Google and simply just like looking up shit. Like I sit, find myself researching, like I was researching a cricket for like two weeks until I finally got one. And now I'm in here making all types of shit with this cricket thing that I bought, you know, mm. like I want people to, to gain some of those skills like we don't realize how many adult like black people don't know how to use microsoft word mm-hmm. like you know like you we we don't understand how many and i'm thinking about you know how many adult learners um because that's what my master's degree is going um, that's what i'm going into how many people don't know how to use microsoft word or know the tools that are on a macbook you know like iMovie or things like that and i'm just sitting here like I need to make a change. I need to do something. I need to implement something that like really, really can help others. Like I would love to eventually open up a um, center to teach particularly adult learners, non-traditional adult learners, how to use um, technology and media and um, really train our next, um, our older generations on how to keep up with the technology, the fast paced technology. And even if it's, if, even if it's not focused on just adults, like our younger students, because they don't know how to use Microsoft Word mm-hmm. or, no, they don't. or PowerPoint or Lord, for, give them a MacBook. I gave, I had iPads in my classroom and that shit was crazy. I was like, you have an iPhone. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> so. Definitely. So. Yeah. 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 Yeah
Yeah. Oh my God. I'm shit at Excel. <laughs> right. Like I want to, I want to implement those things. So I'm coming <laughs> out of, out of this right now in this movement, I'm coming out of it with a sense of motivation and a fervor. Like I told myself this month, my goal, I'm starting to give myself, um, monthly goals in my set. I said this month I'm buying something from a black business and that's what I did. Um, and I said next month, my goal is to buy from two black businesses, but sell something for my black business, you know, just trying to set these goals and make these movements because the only way we can really, really create change in all this, um, I guess what we can say is chaos and feeling like everything is just like to shit is that we have to find what we want to be grounded in and find our sense of, um, intention. And I felt so lost for the last like two years of my life. Like, I don't know what the hell I want to do. Like, I'm just here. I'm just, I'm just existing. And I think just like sitting in this house, going through this damn pandemic, um, going through grad school and going through the shit I've been through, I finally found my, my, my grounding, my, my intention. So I, I encourage everybody like through this, through this storm that we are in, find your intention, find something to be grounded in because now is the time to really open up your mind and start Start that business that you've been, you know, letting sit. Get that camera out that you've been wanting to use to take pictures for the longest, but you, you, you're like, I don't know how to use it. Or mm-hmm. go and, you know, start your podcast and do what you want to do. Like, now it's the time, especially with these movements, because we need to, we need, if we want to create change, we got to have people on the back burner also creating new things and also feeding into the change. And we need more brown and black bodies in bigger spaces. Like, we need uh, like I said, a black CNN or a black something like that so that w- we can have spaces for us because we have to create them at this point. So that's where I'm at. Awesome. I'm with you. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Didn't think about that like monthly goals. Yeah, I'm and- on this positive positivity kick because I was in like a rut. Like I just had a lot going on personally. And I just said, you know what, you have to, you have to stay grounded. So it's this, this is my first month doing it. Um, because before I would bullshit and not do anything. Um, but now I am being intentional with my time. Like I said, time is of the essence. And so this month, my first goal was to buy black. I bought the cricket thing I've been talking about getting for the longest. I've been taking more pictures and getting my ass out there and using my camera. Um, just like investing in myself, I bought a bike. <laughs> so I've been riding a fucking bike up and down the road. But, you know, just doing little things like that. Yeah, hopefully I don't get hit by a car. Um, just doing little things like that that kind of like set these intentions and setting these things. Because I'm always telling my kids, set an intention for the week. We get into my classroom. So why am I not doing the same thing? You know? Right. So, okay, let's get into nerding out because, ooh, it's late. And I know everybody. <laughs> oh, um, I technically have to work. Technically, well, we're going to have to get up and drive somewhere tomorrow. I get up before you and start. Don't start <laughs> with me. <laughs> so let's quickly go through what are we nerding out, or um, what's something we're going into the week with? Like, what's an intention for the week? Since we are talking about intentions. You want me to start? What are you I mean, a couple things I've been nerding out about. One's League of Legends. I've been playing League of Legends again. Mm-hmm. Uh, love it. Don't have anyone to play with. Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> People would play with me because I just like cheesing in normals. And if you don't know what that means, teacher holics, 
It means that just like goofing around and losing a lot. <laughs> uh, the other thing is I was in a really dark place earlier on. Uh, I came to my weight loss and now I'm, I have a lot more support and I'm in a place moving forward. We're working on it. We're yeah. losing weight slowly. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm nerding out about. Oh, let's see. What what I wanna record a video for my YouTube this week. Good shit. Um, Who's next? I'll go next. Um, so (laughs) the quarantine hasn't really been that different for me in the sense of not going anywhere. I go to work every day like normal. Um, um, but I'm trying to be a little bit more intentional with, um, like thinking about what I'm going to do as far as like future business plans. Um, and like organizations that I want to get involved with and starting and nonprofits and things like that. And um, currently, um, I don't really talk about it a lot, but I um, like sew and do other crafty type things. So I'm going to try and get back into it. Mm-hmm. I've like researching that stuff that I can make. Um, I've actually got a thing planned with my cousin in July to sell some stuff that'll hopefully motivate me to get started again. Um, yeah, it's really weird, but and it's funny because people are like, oh, a lot of kids nowadays and millennials don't know how to do these basic life skills, but that's something that's been kind of like my calm down time to myself. Mm-hmm. Do anything. Um, <laughs> and I really enjoy it. It's kind of like an old lady thing to do, but I like it a lot. Um, so I'm going to try and get back into that this week. I guess that's kind of like my goal, just to be a little bit more intentional with that. Um, it sounds really dumb, but I'm really into Grey's Anatomy. Currently. I love it. <laughs> I never understood that show, and I've told you this before. Because all it is is something happens. Everyone, no, everyone falls in love with each other. Everyone then cheats on each other. Then everyone dies. <laughs> it's awful. It's um, fantastic writing. That's what it is. Yeah, it is. Oh, Shonda Rhimes is beautiful. I love her. Oh she God. makes me sad on a daily basis, but oh, it's great. Um, I have been watching it, I guess, since the quarantine started because I watch it while I work. Um, and right now I'm in season eight. And I know, <laughs> You're not even yeah. the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> I know bad is coming um, mm. about halfway through. And, you know, spoilers are everywhere on the internet with stuff. Um, so I kind of know what's coming, but <laughs> I can't stop watching. Um, and then I have another show that. I'm anxiously waiting for the next episode to come out. Dr. Stuffins season four is already out. No, not Dr. Stuffins, though. We love that a lot here. Um, It's called For Life, and it's 
um, based on real events. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm-mm. It's about a guy who was illegally, or not illegally, incorrectly incarcerated, I guess is the right way to say it. Was I it, don't know. It's Jamie mm-hmm. Foxx. Jordan. Uh, I don't think so. Yes, Mercy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but this show, um, the character in it is a guy named Aaron. Mm. Well, he ends up becoming a lawyer while in prison and like fighting for a retrial and things like that. And it's interesting because of what's going on in the world right now. Like I was watching a little bit before all of it had like kind of, you know, got big. Mm-hmm. And, but it's just, it opened your eyes to things that I didn't even know was going on. And it makes you think about, um, a lot of things like that are systematically wrong with the world. Mm-hmm. So it's a great show if anybody wants something new to watch. Grey's Anatomy for life. They're awesome. So I've been watching. Bones. Yeah. All sorts I think, I think I'm going to re-binge Grey's Anatomy. I don't know if I want to do that to, me, to myself, but I think I am. Oh my gosh. I think I'm going to start from the beginning. I've seen every single episode and I know, I probably know line by line because I'm a Shonda Rhimes stan. I have her book. Um, I have applied to work at Shonda Land several times. <laughs> Let me uh, tell you what. Yeah. I had I just got done watching the episode where Meredith was like asleep the whole time and she dreamt that it was another world. Mm-hmm. And then I guess this one I'm on now is when Lexi wants to confront Mark and tell him that she loves him. And I like heartbroken. Oh god. And then there's like an affair, and I, I just, it's a lot to take on emotionally. Like you don't realize how much a TV show will take out of you. Like you get so invested, and I'm, I'm probably going to start from the very beginning and go to where, where it ends. I, I think they're going to have at least another two more seasons out of that. If Law & Order SVU can be on here till fucking like 2029, um, I feel like Shonda got it. Because, you know, Ellen Pompeo is one of the highest paid um, actresses in television. Um, yeah. And she's, awesome, she, she's amazing. She is amazing. Um, she, correct me if I'm wrong, but she was raised by a African American mother, correct? I I think so. I know she's raising wow. black girls. I know that. I know she's raising yeah. two black girls, and she definitely um is all about the movement. That's why Grey's Anatomy has um become so more uh not radicalized, but like more with the with the times. Um, yeah. You need to, once you finish Grey's, you need to watch Station 19. Station 19 is like that, too. That shit is really good. Station 19 hits, and it's like, it has more um, Hispanic Latinx people in there, too, which I appreciate. Um, That's some some diversity on that damn show, like, seriously. Um, It definitely, like, I know there's this episode coming up where Grey's Anatomy talks about police brutality and race, and I'm eagerly waiting for that episode. To hear more. I'm just gonna watch Bones. <laughs> How do you watch this show? It's terrible. It's beautiful and wonderful. Criminal, criminal Minds. Tiger King. Oh. Just finish that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Carol Baskin. Whacked him. <laughs> okay, so I'll end it out. Um, 
with my nerding out and then I'll close us because I know I don't know I'm sleepy I don't know about y'all but um I've been nerding out about like I said I got this cricket so I'm gonna start trying to make like phone cases and pop sockets and shit like that because I just I don't know I feel like being crafty um so that's what I've been doing I'm right now I'm watching 13 reasons it's it was a good buy and everybody's getting one so everybody's gonna be making their own shirts but I was like I can make some damn pop sockets I got the cricket joy um because the other one is like a car payment the other one is two something and I was like oh hell no um (laughs) (laughs) do not get this shit from Michael's um go to Walmart I did not realize the stuff at Walmart is way cheaper like the supplies and stuff um the vinyl and everything you need. So I'm going to start making like little stuff like that. So everybody's getting a homemade gift this year because I bought this shit and I'm going to use it. So that's one thing. And then I'm right now I'm watching season three of 13 reasons why. Um, I don't know. I have mixed reviews on 13 reasons why, mm. but I'm on season three. I thought the shit ended after season two because <laughs> uh, season two took me out, but it's still going. So we got all this drama. Um, so I'm going to watch that and finish it and then figure out how I feel about it and lastly I'm still playing Animal Crossing um that's the only thing I've been playing lately um once school ends I will add more games to my switch but right now you know I have it's like Animal Crossing a little more complicated but also doubly relaxing okay I need that I'm literally going to take a week and do nothing just not good at video games (laughs) i'm just gonna take a week like i think that's what i'm honestly nerding out about more is being able to just sit and not do anything for like a couple days like i'm ready for summer break i want a summer job but at the same time i don't um because they cut into our summer a little bit because school year starts earlier this year uh because of corona i guess they thought we weren't you know we were just sitting at home doing nothing um so (laughs) i just think i'm gonna take a couple days and just like like do nothing just sit in my house and not talk to anyone and just be alone i'm an introverted extrovert so i'll text you all day but i don't want to be in your face um yeah that's what i'm nerding out but before we close um a couple things i wanted to like end on you know um it's hard times out here so first and foremost protect your mental health and protect yourself uh if you need to take a social media break, take it. I've definitely had to get off social media or get on my Finsta and only where I only have followed things that I feel um, like Harry Potter memes and, you know, stuff like that. Like if you have to do something like that, do it. Uh, don't spend a lot of your energy arguing on Facebook. You know, like it's, it's, it's like you got these people you want to go at it and it's cool, but at the same time, that's mentally draining. And you right now, time is of the essence and we need more people, more allies, more black people really a hundred percent prepared to kind of go to war with quotation marks around it. And you never know. So you need to protect your peace, protect your mental health. Um, take breaks, take breaths. It's, it's okay. If you, if you don't go to that protest today, it's okay. You can sit at home and take a day. Um, protect your health. Corona is still very freaking real. Um, the cases there are going up and up. The more people are getting tested, you know, protect your family from it. Wash your hands, wear a mask, stop, use social distancing. Walmart is not the club. It should not be 150 people in Walmart right now. That's crazy. I had to wait for a buggy today because it was too many people. Um, and all those people that are out there protesting, all of them, most of them wear masks. 
yeah, we were out. I was sweating. I couldn't breathe. I had to take my mask off for a little bit and get a little, little breath of air. It was hot. And my mask was hot. It's just a lot. So, like, you know, protect yourself. And lastly, RIP to George. RIP to Brianna. RIP to my RIP to all the people who have lost their lives. RIP to Sandra Bland, everybody. Um, make sure you are saying when you say Black Matters, you emphasize that Black, women's matter, black women matter as well because we talk a lot about police brutality and how Black males are um, under attack. Let's talk about Black women as well because you, we like to forget Black women in these movements and I refuse that Black women, we continue to be erased from history because there would not be a lot of these movements without the strength and the power and the, and the love of Black women. Mm. Okay? Take your space, take your peace, protect yourself, but also don't remember, don't forget what we're doing and what we're fighting for. The, the revolution is now televised, y'all. It is televised. It is on TV, megapixel by megapixel. We're watching Black people die. And it's scary and it's and it's a lot. But at the same time, the revolution's on TV too, megapixel by megapixel. You are watching people out here fighting. You're watching people out here handing out waters and watching people out here marching from five to ten miles just to so you can hear our voices and hear us say that we matter. Yeah. And that's it. That's all I have to say. Drops mic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Woo. All right, as always, make sure y'all like our Facebook. We recently reached 100 likes on our Facebook. And that's crazy because we only have like, what, four fucking episodes? So this is wild. Right. <laughs> um, if you like it, um, make sure you hit us up on Apple Podcasts and uh, SoundCloud um, and Spotify. Email us, teachersanonymous at gmail.com. We're looking for collabs. We are going to start that, um, start our blog we've been talking about. Um, we just got to get into the motion. It's a lot of shit going on. So y'all got to be patient with us because we, we're humans just like everybody else. Um, and yeah, love and light to everybody. I'm yeah. Teacher A. Mr. Red. Miss Red. Y'all be blessed. Okay. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Teachers Anonymous podcast. This is Mr. Red telling you that if you like what you're listening to and you want to support us here at the podcast, feel free to like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at Teachers Anonymous, teachers being spelled T-C-H-R-S and anonymous being spelled the regular way. If you have any questions for us or you want to send suggestions for future topics for us to talk about, email us at teachersanonymous at gmail.com, teachers being spelled T-C-H-R-S, and anonymous being spelled the regular way. Anyway, this is Mr. Red saying thanks again for listening to the Teachers Anonymous podcast. <laughs> <laughs>